three glaring areas of the New York Giants and why they've been sinking the team for years, plus what the team can do about them moving forward. That's coming up next on today's Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and happy to have you with us here on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, brought to you in part by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and the comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. And on today's program, we're going to take a look at three reoccurring problems of the last decade or so with this New York Giants team. And we're going to talk a little bit about how they could potentially solve them moving forward. So I've got one problem per segment that we're going to highlight. We'll talk about it. And also on today's program, I mentioned how I want to start giving shout outs to those of you who subscribe to the podcast and um, the way you can get a shout out, very simple. Let me know that you are, a, you know, either a new subscriber, um, and that could be to YouTube or to the audio files that we put out. And um, I will try and include as many shout outs as I can throughout the course of the show. My way of saying thank you to everybody who um, participates and contributes and listens to the show. All right, so. Before we get into the first issue with the New York Giants, let me get a couple of shout outs uh, in here because I'm going to spread these out rather than them all at once. Um, I want to send a shout out to Stephen Amendola, who uh, wrote to me on YouTube, mentioned that he travels to about two to three Giant games on the road per year. And uh, Stephen, man, I feel your pain. Um, hang in there. Things have got to get better. I, I really believe that. You know, I'm an optimist and I like to think that, you know, things will get better. Maybe I'm being naive. I don't know. But, you know, they can't get any worse, I don't think. So hang in there, my friend. Um, also want to send a shout out to a, subs- to a subscriber of the YouTube channel, Rick Chiarello, uh, 43 years season ticket holder. Rick, that's amazing. Um, my dad used to be a season ticket holder. I, I want to say he was a season ticket holder going back to the date of, um, I think when the Giants were at Yankee Stadium, he was a season ticket holder. And he went through the Yale Bowl and obviously the old Giants Stadium had to give up his tickets when they moved to MetLife because the location of where his seats were, it would have cost him $20,000 per PSL. And he had four tickets and Obviously, he couldn't afford that, so he had to give up those seats and um, hence his season tickets. But he was a longtime season ticket holder like you, and uh, I missed him. You know, every every day after a game, uh, every Monday, um, I'd call him up and <laughs> I could still hear his voice today, you know, saying, hey, Dad, how's it going? And he would be like, 
you know, especially now he'd be like the giants stink. And I'm like, yeah, big time. And so we would have that little conversation. And then when the giants were doing good, he would, he would be all excited. So, uh, but anyway, thank you for writing in. appreciate you. And again, folks, stay tuned. I have more shout outs coming up, but let's get into today's topic. And that is three reoccurring problems that this giants team has had that for whatever the reason they haven't addressed. So I'm going to mention them. I'm going to tell you what I think, what I think they should do. And as always, if you agree, let me know. If you disagree, let me know. You know where to reach me at this point. It's all in the show notes. Let's get started. Okay, the first thing. Now, I'm not going to go back to, you know, too far in the decade that the Giants have been bad because the team has turned over different coaching staff and whatnot. But I'm going to go back to the, the start of the Dave Gettleman era. And I think the biggest mistake that the Giants made, and um, I believe Gettleman actually admitted to this later on, is that they didn't have an identity as to where the team was. In other words, he took over this team, and I don't think he fully assessed or understood where the team was at that point in its assembly and development. So if you remember, Gettleman at the time spoke about, oh, we can rebuild and compete at the same time. No, you cannot. That team was so badly broken. If you remember, you know, Jerry Reese had been fired. The offensive line was a mess. Eli Manning was at the tail end of his his career. They didn't have a running game. And Dave Gettleman thought, hey, we can compete and rebuild. No, you can't do the same thing. That's like saying you can live in a house that's being rebuilt. It doesn't work that way. It's not safe and it's just, it's not practical. So I think some of the early personnel decisions that Dave Gettleman made back in 2018 when he took over were along those lines. Let's rebuild certain areas, but we'll still be able to compete. And it didn't work. All right. So now you have, you know, 2019 and they're still figuring out, okay, are we competing or are we rebuilding? 2020, same question. 2021, same question. The Giants at this point, I would say, are broken, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So whoever the next GM is, whether it's Gettleman or somebody else, they have got to look in the mirror, look at this team objectively and be honest and stop with this. Okay, well, you know, I see the bright spots and, you know, hey, the team competes hard or they, you know, the team does this, the team does that. It's not showing up on the field. So I don't know about you. I don't want to hear about, well, the players come in and they prepare or, uh, you know, they, they compete hard. I don't see anybody not paying attention in meeting. I don't care about that. I'm sure many of you don't either. You care about, as do I, what are they doing on a Sunday? All right. So when you see them missing tackles, dropping passes, blowing assignments, missing blocks, um, you know, failing to, to, to get first downs, uh, missing throws, all that stuff, you sit there and you question just what the heck is going on behind closed doors? And it's like, you know, don't try and sell me a bag of false goods. 
I don't want to hear how good the team's practicing. I don't want to hear how good they're preparing in the classroom. If you can't show me every Sunday by putting out a competitive team, and I'm not just talking to players now, I'm also talking the coaching staff, which all season long has had problems. I think this coaching staff has regressed all season long. They've had problems. So if you can't show me that you are eliminating these mistakes, that you are making progress, that you're, you know, getting away from the, the penalties and the drop passes and the poor routes and the missed tackles and all that stuff, don't try and sell me that progress is being made because it's not. All right? It's not showing up in the win-loss column. And I get it. Rome wasn't built in a day. A football team wasn't built in a day. But, you know, this is two years now in the Joe Judge era, four years in the Gettleman era. And right now the Giants have the potential to finish with fewer wins than they did last year when they looked more promising. Now, I get it. Injuries have been an issue. But still, good coaching can figure out a way to overcome some of that. And right now, I think we can probably all agree that the coaching hasn't been as sharp as it was this time last year when the Giants were still in a very weak NFC East division. So that's how I feel. I think the Giants, whoever the GM is, whether it's, again, Gettleman or somebody else, they have to sit down with ownership, sit down with head coach Joe Judge, look at this team objectively and say, okay, guys, we're going to treat this next offseason as a rebuild. We're going to um, stock up on more draft picks, not just for this year, but for 2023. We're going to be more judicious with our free agent signings because our salary cap is a mess. We're going to trim the dead weight off of the salary cap. Joe, great. You love these players, but we can't afford to carry these contracts. Be honest with yourself. Don't sit there and, 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 and fool yourself and say, you know, the team is headed in the right direction because the results aren't there. And that's what matters at the end of the day. So that problem to me is the first and biggest thing the Giants have to fix. Where are they as a franchise? And they have to be honest with themselves. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, the Giants might not be at Super Bowl 56 this year, but you can with On Location. That's right. Super Bowl 56 at Los Angeles' SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food prepared by the legendary Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information. Again, that's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 to book your package today. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. Patricia Trainer here with you. And we're talking about the Giants' biggest problems. And I'm talking a macro level. I'm not, not just talking, you know, like offense, backup quarterback. I'm talking on a grand scale. Things that, from an organizational standpoint, have always bothered me that I think are still very much a problem 
with the giants, you know, just not being honest with themselves and looking at things, you know, with without the rose colored glasses. And um, I think until such time when they they come to grips with who they are, um, things will start to get better because the first step is to admit, okay, you know, I need to, to fix something. You know, it's kind of like if you're overweight um, and you want to lose weight, you know, you'll, you'll never lose weight unless you look in the mirror and say, okay, you know what? I could probably stand to lose 20, 30 pounds and then do something about it. So that's kind of like where the giants are right now, in my opinion. All right. So before I get to item number two, a couple more shout outs real quick. Uh, JD wrote in and said that he has followed the Locked on Giants podcast. Actually goes back to the days when I co-hosted with Ed Valentine of Big Blue. And back then, Ed and I actually had a separate podcast. It was a Giants podcast. We were with a um, a different podcast host. And we were a lot smaller operation back in the day. I don't think we even had sponsors. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the name of the show back then was Big Blue Chat or something like that. I, I don't I don't even remember because it was so long ago. But um, Ed and I then transferred over to uh, the Locked On Network. And we co-hosted uh, this podcast for, I want to say, about a year and a half. And then Ed went on to host his own podcast, the Big Blue View. And it's been me ever since, me and, of course, guests that I bring in. So um, so we've grown a lot, and, and J.D. has been with us since the beginning. So, J.D., thank you so much for your loyalty. It is appreciated. And here's to many, many more years together my friend i appreciate you all right um let's talk about item number two on my list from a macro perspective coaching all right now here is the problem that i have with the giants coaching i do believe in my heart that joe judge can be a good coach i think he can be a successful coach my problem with Joe Judge right now is kind of the same problem that I had with Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo, for those of you who weren't around when I used to rant about him, he came from one system. He was familiar primarily with one way of doing things. And, you know, was it a successful one? For the most part, yes. But here's the thing. When you're talking about making widgets and you have a system for making widgets and getting them out quickly, nine times out of 10, that system is going to work regardless of where you're making the widgets. But when you're talking about people, sometimes you've got to change. You've got to change the way you approach things. You've got to adapt your systems and your protocols and your practices and, and just how you're doing things, your messages, and just do things to adapt to what you have. All right? Because people... No two people are the same. No two teams are the same. All right, so what does this have to do with Joe Judge? Joe Judge, as everybody knows, came from a background with Nick Saban at Alabama and Bill Belichick at New England. Two very established head coaches. Two winning head coaches. So right now, pretty much the bulk of Joe Judge's coaching career has been a cross between Alabama and New England. Well, you know what? Some of the methods that the team used, um, those teams used, 
don't fit this Giants team. And this kind of goes back to being honest with what you have on the roster. Case in point, I go back to the summertime, to training camp, when Joe Judge figured, okay, you know what? I don't have to play my starters until the last preseason game. I'll give them a dress rehearsal because they're getting good work in, 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 in uh, you know, practice. Which, by the way, Joe would also say that you can't simulate game, game speed in practice. Another head scratcher. So what happened? The first two or three games of the season were throwaway games. Something that you would expect from the Patriots, something you might expect from Alabama. But here's the thing. Those teams, their backups were better than some of the Giants starters. So therefore, you had a Giants team that just seemed to be nonchalant about, you know, throwing away games because, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get into a groove. We're, we're going to be good enough to overcome them. No. What happened? They weren't good enough to overcome the games. Now, again, I know they had injuries. I get that. But they didn't have depth at certain positions to compensate for those injuries. They didn't have talent at some of the positions to compensate. So what happened? The team went into a downward spiral. And they lost some games that they really should have won. You know, now some people will say, well, in the beginning of the year, you know, Washington doesn't kick that, get a second chance at kicking the field goal. The Giants win that game. Okay, yeah, I get it. Football is a game of inches, a game of bounces and all that good stuff. But should the game have been that close? No. Same thing with the Falcons game. Should it have been that close? Absolutely not. And can we talk about the Denver game and how poorly prepared the Giants looked against the Denver Broncos? That, to me, was a big problem. So, moving forward, number one, I, I think if Joe Judge is back next year, which I I believe he will be, he will not make that same mistake twice because if nothing else, I'm sure he's already been told, don't do that again. Number two, here's the other thing. You look at the coaching this year and maybe it's just me, but it sure seems like there's a lot more instances where they're not getting the play in on time. They're messing up with timeouts they're having undisciplined play. And I've got to look the numbers up, but I'm pretty sure the Giants have more penalties this year than they had last year. Things are regressing. And then you throw in on top of that the injuries. You throw in on top of that on offense, how nothing is, is flowing together. And you have a big mess. You have a team that is and 4-10. So how do they fix it moving forward? Again, it goes back to recognizing that every team is different and adapting. You cannot keep doing the same thing that you did five or 10 years ago with a different program because it doesn't necessarily work. You have to recognize what does my team need? You know, this is like, you know, to use the teacher analogy, all right? A teacher is going to get up in front of a student or a classroom and say, okay, I'm going to use visual representation to teach these kids. Oh, guess what? Visual representation worked. Great. So now a new group of students comes in 
And maybe visual is not the way to go. Maybe those students like to be more hands-on. So you have to adapt. And I, you know, from the outside looking in, I don't think they have adapted very well. The results aren't there. You know, the ongoing mistakes that are being made, the communication issues. And here's the other thing about the coaching staff that kind of irks me a little bit. I think it's too big. Now, in the beginning, I understood why Joe Judge did that. He wanted to make it so that nobody was overwhelmed, so that different people were able to devote time to the minutia of getting a football team ready. But sometimes you've got the danger of having too many cooks in the kitchen. How many special assistants do you need? How many special project managers do you need? How many consultants do you need on a team? You know, now all of a sudden you've got multiple voices at different positions and you're creating confusion, not just with the players, but with the staff itself. So cut it back. You could, you know, you could still have a fairly decent staff, but when you've got a rival Bruce Arians' staff, and I think Bruce Arians has something like 25 or 26 assistants, but Bruce has done it before. He's an experienced head coach. He doesn't necessarily need guys you know, who were previous head coaches, either in college or the NFL, in his ear. Joe is a younger head coach, and I get it that, you know, he wants some experience around him that he can lean on, but sometimes I get the impression that it's too much of a, uh, a conglomeration, if you will, of different opinions coming together, and Joe and his inexperience trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? Which direction is best? Which voice should I listen to? That's the impression I get. Could be wrong, but that's what I get. All right. What is the third and final thing on my list of things that I think the are wrong with the Giants and that they have to acknowledge? Stick around. You'll find out. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, Built Bar is going all out to make this holiday season the most delicious time of the year with a winter wonderland of a deal. Featuring amazing new flavors such as the Built Crave Bars, um, their current limited time offering of peppermint candy and uh, puffs, um, and there are other amazing flavors available in nut and nut-free variety. Built is the place to be if you are looking for a delicious, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat covered in real milk chocolate. And now for a limited time, when you visit BuiltBart.com, you can save 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. Again, that's BuiltBart.com. Customize the box any way you want and save 15% with our special promo code Locked 15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. And a reminder, tomorrow we have a crossover show with Gino Camilleri. He is the co-host of Locked on Eagles. Yes, we still have to preview the games, so bear with me. I know a lot of you are like, why are you still previewing the games? Well, it's on the schedule. We do have to do them. So, uh, but on Friday, um, I will be running a special Christmas Eve show for those of you who are around and want to listen. And I think you're going to like this one. I'm going to have Mark Schofield on the show with me. Mark Schofield, of course, is a quarterback expert. And we're going to talk about Daniel Jones, what he's accomplished, what he has shown. And I'm just going to kind of pick Mark's brain for, you know, 
where the Giants, where he thinks the Giants might be going with the Daniel Jones decision and so on and so forth. So that should be a really good show. I always enjoy having Mark on the program. And uh, I know a lot of you tune in when he's, when he's uh, uh, the guest and um, I think you'll like the show. So hopefully you'll tune in um, as you're busy wrapping those last few Christmas gifts or, you know, if you're driving to friends or family's houses for, you know, to celebrate Christmas Eve, hopefully you'll, you'll tune in and catch part of that show. All right. Um, I have one more shout out that I want to give. This is to Christopher Hazen, I think, I believe is how you pronounce it. Hazen. Uh, he said he is a new subscriber to the YouTube channel. Uh, part of the now, uh, I think I have 1,020 subscribers now which is amazing. I mean, that's a big jump from where I was this time last week. So Christopher, thank you for subscribing. Thank you so much for writing in. And um, everybody, again, thank you for subscribing to the YouTube channel. And please, those of you who are listening to the show on, on uh, you know, Audacity and, and um, you know, Apple and Google Play, let me know if you're, you know, if you'd like a shout out. I, I really want to acknowledge you guys and gals because without you, there is no show. So anyway, let me get to the last item on my list. And this one's a big one for me. Over-evaluating the talent. All right. Okay. So here's how I see it. And I'm going to try and use an analogy here. When somebody goes shopping, when I go shopping for clothes, you know, I tend to kind of go for plain stuff, solid colors and whatnot. But I can remember having friends and relatives who would go shopping for clothes and pick out the ugliest looking stuff. I mean, patterns, loud, busy, you know, patterns and crazy looking fabrics. And they would come home, they would put the clothes on. And they would think that they looked like they just stepped out of the pages of Vogue. And I'd be like, no, no, no. Now I get it. Fashion, that's all a matter of opinion. You know, there's a saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, when it comes to their talent, the giants probably have uh, a lot of, they, they see a lot of beauty where maybe sometimes there's not as much as they think they, there is. Now, how do I know this? Let's go back and look at some of the opportunities they had to trade some talent that is still with them and maybe isn't still with them. Um, Landon Collins, we all remember what happened there that, you know, reportedly the Giants wanted, I think, a second or a third round pick. I think it was a second pick um, and they didn't get it. Uh, Evan Ingram is another one I believe teams were interested in acquiring and the Giants set set the price too high. Um, now, was it that done to discourage suitors? Could be, but then again, why not just say, sorry, that guy's not on the trade block? Why do you have to drive up the price and show that, you know, potentially you're overvaluing, evaluating the, uh, the, the uh, talent? You know, you look at some of the, the draft picks over the years. You know, Eric Flowers, was he a, a top 10 pick? You know, and I'm not just saying that now because, you know, of, of what happened with him. I thought it then. Eli Apple, was he a first-round pick? 
a lot of people I saw, you know, draft experts and even people in the business told me that he was a second round pick at best. I know I had him as a second round pick on my board. Um, free agency, Nate Solder, they, they had to overspend on him. All right. Was he the best available option? Probably, but you know, who were they competing against at the time that they had to overspend on him? You know, Jonathan Stewart, I, again, I understood the, the reasoning behind getting Jonathan Stewart, but I don't know that they had to overspend that much because again, who were they competing with to get him? So little things like that have added up. Okay, so when you overvalue what you have, that potentially leads to uh, contracts that are maybe too much, you know, um, that leads to cap problems, that leads to potential holes on your roster. So again, it goes back to being honest with yourself. I mean, every GM, if you were to survey them, would probably tell you that they would love nothing better than to be able to sit there and say, my entire draft class, my entire free agency class was a home run. There wasn't a single bum or bust amongst them. It doesn't happen that way. Nobody bats a thousand. And it's okay to make a mistake. Once in a while, we're all human. That's why they put erasers on the ends of pencils. However, when you continuously make those mistakes, when you continuously think that, you know, these loud, funky looking patterns and, and fabrics and whatnot that you're wearing or make you look like a fashion model, that's when you've got to get a grip on reality. You know, that's when you, you've got to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing? And I just don't feel like the Giants sometimes are, are honest about their talent and their talent evaluation. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, I'm going to double down and prove every, you know, hope the guy proves everybody wrong. That's how I see it. You might agree, you might disagree, but I see that as, as a problem. Not the biggest of the problems, which is why I put it last, but a problem nonetheless. So bottom line is, if I had to sum up the three points that I mentioned, you got to be honest with yourself about what you have. You have to adapt to what you have. You can't just try a one-size-fits-all approach. And I think this, you know, when you start to be honest, and I think if you also kind of lower your expectations a little bit, and then maybe work with the, the players to bring them up, you just might be surprised at the end of the day. You just might turn things around. But the Giants, to, to you know, just a closing thought here, a lot of work to do, especially on the offensive side of the ball where they spent so much money on the skill position players and they have very little to show for it. And I, again, I don't want to hear about injuries. I, I get it. That's part of it. But they have very little to show for it. And that, you know, other than a, cap, a, a salary cap situation next year, that is a mess. So how long is it going to take to fix this? I'm not thinking it's going to be next year. I'm thinking it's still maybe, maybe by 2023 it'll be okay. But we'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. We'll see if the Giants learn from their mistakes. 
We'll see who comes in, who leaves, and so on and so forth, and see if that makes a difference and if the Giants get back on track. All right, folks, that will do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in as always. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube your first watch of the day. And again, don't forget to check us out tomorrow. Gino Camilleri, co-host of Lockdown Eagles, will be with me for the crossover show. And then on Friday, Mark Schofield will be with me. We'll be talking Giants quarterback Daniel Jones and his future. So until then, everybody, have a great day and we'll catch you tomorrow.